For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Envision, fostering a community for change. Your host is Thomas Rosenberg. In today's program, you'll meet fascinating people who are implementing innovative ideas to make a difference both locally and globally. Now, here is Thomas Rosenberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Envision. I am really, really excited about today's show. We will be focusing on what it means to raise emotionally healthy youth. You may be asking yourself, how does the emotional health of youth relate to regenerative communities? In my opinion, creating emotionally healthy youth aligns with the community's development of social and human capitals. More specifically, the more emotionally healthy youth are, the more adept they are at relationships, social participation, and able to create lifelong learning habits. Emotionally healthier youth also tend to be physically healthier. Working on the individual as well as the community level helps a regenerative community uh, create common positive values and a shared sense of purpose. The emotional health of our boys in particular begins with how we socialize and communicate with them from birth. A recent New York Times article from June 15, 2017 points out that in studies in North America and in Europe indicating that parents that use more emotional words and topics with their girls than with boys, even as pre-language infants. This impacts how boys perform in school and even the subjects they seek or try to avoid. Research shows that those who suppress emotions have lower level resilience and emotional health. Simply put, enabling youth to be more fully themselves and creating spaces where all aspects of them are welcome is good for everyone. And with that, it is a profound honor to introduce our guests. Mr. Ashanti Branch is founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club. Mr. Lorenzo Cooper is a mentor and employee of the Ever Forward Club, having been active as a club member for several years. We have Mr. Darnell Waters, a recent alumni, and Mr. Deshaun Smith, a current member. Ashanti, Lorenzo, Darnell, and Deshaun, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. <laughs> it is great to have you guys here. So, Ashanti, could you just start off with a brief description of what the Ever Forward Club is? Uh, so, the Ever Forward Club is a mentoring program, youth development mentoring program for young men in middle school and high school. Uh, we provide a safe space for young men to talk about the emotional barriers that come up in life, but that oftentimes Society doesn't let young men talk about, at least without making them feel bad about it. Um, we work with uh, training a mentor at each school site or the school sites where we have clubs, and those mentors meet with those young men once a week um, in a group setting. And they just pro- begin to build a brotherhood, a community of just young men coming together, just having a safe place to, to be a human and be alive and be talk about the stuff that um, that's really pre- uh, present for them in their lives. Mm-hmm. Super. So, where, where did the where did the idea come from? 
Um, so in 2004, I was a first-year teacher. Um, I was I left an engineering career to you know become an educator to change my change the world, change my community. And I, there was a lot of young men in my class who were failing. Um, they were smart. Like I could see that they were smart, but they they weren't letting people see that. And so um, I I you know I was like I'm not gonna keep being here as a teacher failing you and not either do something about it. So I invited a group of young men to lunch one day, and I said, look, I'll buy you lunch once a week. Exchange for lunch, like, teach me how to be a better teacher. Like, mm-hmm. tell me what I'm doing wrong. Help me. Like, if I can fix it, I'll fix it. Because I thought I saw in them this really um, brilliance, but that they weren't letting other people see. And so in those, through those lunch meetings, they just began to talk about, like, it's not cool to be smart. It ain't, I'm not going to be no nerd, no geek, no teacher's pet. So everything about the, anybody, anything about smart to them was like negative, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. But as an adult, you know, there's only so much that you're going to be able to convince a 13, 14-year-old. If they believe that it's not cool to be smart, then, then their reality is not cool. So my job was to help right. figure a, a way around it, and that's how mm-hmm. Everport Club started. Wow. So how is this program, I, I assume it's grown and evolved since its inception. Did you start with the fourfold approach? Or did the synergy <laughs> of those four elements come become apparent over time? Um, no, so no, it, there was definitely no fourfold approach. There was there was a, a teacher buying lunch once a week, yeah, um, for a group of young men who came together and just had some real talk, and mm-hmm. it was really just that. I wasn't trying to start a nonprofit. I was. I think if you had told me I was starting a nonprofit, I would have said that doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know, like I was yeah. already, I'd already left engineering to become a teacher. I was already like, I'd already financially sacrificed a lot of money financially. And I was like, so I was a teacher just saying, look, I'm in this because my heart is calling me. Um, mm-hmm. How do I just support these young men? And I, what I realized from them, just really asking them a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions and I just wanted to learn like what was in the way, like how, what would make a smart person not show that they were smart. But I mm-hmm. remember when I was in middle school, I wasn't showing people I was smart. I was actually, I was actually on the wrong road, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how it just began to be become clear to me that, oh yeah, I, I used to do that too. And so I knew that I had to just give them tools to navigate school in a way that they could still feel like they were cool with their friends, but they could also um, feel like they were going to be able to graduate because many of them were doing behaviors that were going to sacrifice their graduation to be cool at 13 years old. And I thought that that's a, that'll be very, very dangerous, very dangerous behavior, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So where did the idea for an emotional toolkit come from? Cause you speak about that on your website. Yeah. So, you know, so, so here's what happened. So we started meeting every week. It was a group of young men um, in 2005, 2006 school year. You know, there was always, everyone came to my classroom during lunch, but on Thursdays, I kicked everybody out, and then we had the club. So students were always just kind of, like, definitely some of the young women in my class were getting upset, and they were like, what about us? And I was like, well, I don't know how to help you with your stuff, you know? Like, so I can buy you lunch, though, you know? And I realized that the toolkit came out of this idea that I didn't know what I was doing. So I mm-hmm. was just going forward. And what happened was when people started asking me, well, you got this program for young men, you got this program for young women, like you got this, you got all this stuff going on, what, what, like what are you trying to do? I said, I'm just trying to provide a safe space for them to talk about what's going on in their life. 
and it, and, it, and the toolkit came out as ideas like, well, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, well, I didn't have a curriculum written at that time. I was, it was a weekly meeting providing a space for young people to talk and get real with each other and help break down some of the barriers that were getting in their way of being academic, academically successful. That's, that's what it was. And so when people started asking me, well, we want to give you money, but we need to know, like, what are you, what are you measuring? I'm like, I'm measuring whether they come to school every day. <laughs> I'm measuring that they're not failing classes. And so I, be, I began to, like, try to think of, like, what are the things we're trying to teach them? Because we were teaching it in very, like, unconventional ways. Like, there was not, mm-hmm. like, a classroom. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a meal. We're having a meal, and you've got conversations here, conversations there. Every once in a while, somebody in the front of the room would say, hey, I need to give you some information. And so we realized that here's what we're doing, and we didn't really plan to do it. Like, it wasn't – so, uh, like I said, when we started this nonprofit, it was – I didn't plan to start a nonprofit. I was doing the work, and people were telling me, hey, if you want me to give you some money, you've got to get a nonprofit. And I'm like, well, what is that? I didn't even know what it was. And so the toolbox was like – what are we giving young people when they come to the meetings? Well, we're giving them a safe space. We're giving them a place to kind of be leaders, those who want to be leaders. We're giving them a chance to learn how to follow. We're giving them a chance to learn how to um, tell the truth, even when it's hard to do so. So we began to create the toolbox out of just what we were doing kind of as through the work of Ever Forward. It, it, it definitely, um, it came later. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I had planned out how I was going to run this program and then I started running it. I was mm-hmm. running the thing. And realizing, okay, that works, that doesn't work. That yeah. thing right there works, and that's how the toolbox came about. We, we just kind of sat down when we were trying to apply for some funding and said, well, what are we doing? And we just started naming it, and it, it came up as this idea that well, we're helping them build an emotional toolbox. Because mm-hmm. a lot of our young men, um, they have, I told them, they have like a hammer and they got a tickler. <laughs> like a feather, right? So <laughs> you either can be really angry or you're going to be really funny. And they really lacked a lot of tools in between. So, like, when you go talk to your teacher, you don't need a hammer. And they're not trying to laugh. But if you go in with a hammer and all you need was some sandpaper, you're going to probably mess up some stuff, you know? And so we try to give them some just some really real-world analogies. Like, if you need to go talk to somebody about helping you with your grade, you don't walk in there being pissed off and throwing stuff and yelling. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. And so it was really trying to help them just, like, add more things to their toolbox in communication and relationships, kind of like what you talked about, like building good relationship, um, having good values and making showing what those values are, like how are they being healthy, whether physically or emotionally. And if you don't, when you go up to somebody and talk to them and you don't, you know, if you're not communicating well, they're going to dismiss you. They're going to, like, ignore you. And so we try right. to just give them ways of being able to, to be their whole self in, in more ways. Mm-hmm. So that's super. So how do you differentiate between family development and community development in your program currently? Yeah, so the way family development came about was that when we first started Ever Forward, I knew that I had to get parents somehow involved because I needed their help. So um, in the early days, parents would once a month or every other month would have like a parent dinner where parents could meet other parents because sometimes you're like, we're taking them on a field trip, and they're like, well, who, who's going, right? And you're like, well, this kid and that, you know. And they're like, well, I don't know those kids. And so we wanted parents to have a way of meeting other parents so they knew who their kids were going to be hanging out with and that parents be able to get a space to talk about the stuff they need to talk about raising teenagers because a lot of times parents don't have support raising teenagers. You know, I think 
uh, things get really complicated when the students get to middle school and high school. And sometimes the students become very quiet and they shut down. And so the family development was how do we help families, like how do we help our young people who may have a good relationship with their families or not, but how do we make sure that there's a part of a program where families can come together, parents can come together and have support for themselves. Um, right. And so the family development was more about helping parents of teenagers to grow and be supported. And the community development, that is about the, the bigger community. Like, well, we have three levels of community. We have the school community right there in the school where the program is. How do we become a positive uh, effect on the school community? Um, how do we influence the, the greater community around the school, like that community? And then depending on where the school is situated, how do we make a bigger impact on the community at large? And so it was like using layers of that to let people, young people know that you're not just here in this club as an isolated entity. We need to do something to support the community in layers. And that's, that's how we began to get out and do more work outside of the club. And that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how the community development showed up. That's, that's beautiful. What do you feel... I know I spoke to it a little bit earlier, but what do you feel is missing in how we raise boys and, to some extent, girls? Well, I think that, you know, in society there's a very clear narrative, and it's a very hyper-masculine narrative of what it means to be a man. And so since our boys grow up with that narrative, whether it's from their family or from TV or from movies or from video games or from music, like, there's a narrative that says to be a, a real man, you must do this, you must behave like this. Now, some reject it, some ignore it, some don't pay attention to it. But it's clear that if you're not paying attention to it, society has a way of either pushing you so far out of the box that you don't, you don't have no community around you because they're like, well, you don't act like other young men, so therefore we don't want to talk to you. And so young men begin to like try and figure out, well, I'm just trying to be myself. But you often are not allowed to be yourself because yourself may not fit in the box really well. And so mm-hmm. we, I find that society as a whole, there's, there's just, sometimes the things are subliminal, but sometimes they're very overt. It's like, you know, video games, tremendous amount of violence. Music right. videos, a lot of violence and uh, a lot of, you know, womanizing, sexual behavior that if you're not doing that kind of stuff, it makes you feel like you're not man enough. So therefore, our young men begin to not believe in their own self because everything they do doesn't match with what everything else is going around them. And so they get com- sometimes confused about well, some- what's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And I think that that's what's dangerous for our young men growing up. And, you know, if we look at just pure numbers, if you look at, the, say, let's say the, the prison population, you would say right. 93% of those in prison are men. So mm-hmm. that would say statistically that men are bad people. And what we right. believe in ever forward is that what men and we were taught when they were boys is that they better suck it up, man up, you know, they better show that they're manly. And that usually means when people say that, they're not trying to say, hey, why don't you be responsible and have integrity? And they're usually telling you, tough it out, don't feel, don't show no emotions. And then we're confused when as teenagers or adults, they can do absolutely tremendous negative behaviors and not feel about it. And, and, and it's because they were taught out of them. It was taught out of them the feeling and the, and, the, and the connection to others and relationships because you're told that that's not what men do. And, that, right. and, and, and I'm, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking in generalities. But, we, but when we talk to teachers and we talk to parents, when we talk to educators and we talk to young men, they're clear that those are messages that people may not be saying to them directly, 
but definitely overtly, definitely, you know, covertly, excuse me, they're saying, hey, you, you better tough it out because you're not showing you a real man. And I think those are the things that are causing danger in our communities. Mm-hmm. Super. Well, we'll be right back after a short break and we'll continue our conversation with Ashanti Branch and the gentlemen of the Ever Forward Club. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Do you long to have a better love life? Relationships can be hard, but throw sexual problems into the mix, and it's almost impossible to keep that close connection you want to have. Colette Milan, sex and relationship therapist, has been there. She will give you sound advice to turn your libido back on and bring the love back into your lovemaking. Tune in to Making Love with Colette Milan every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at regenerate.coach. That's regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome back, and we are here with Ashanti Branch and the gentlemen of the Ever Forward Club. We were talking about the necessary elements to create a healthy masculinity in youth today. Deshaun, could you just tell us how long you've been with the Ever Forward Club and what drew you to the club in the first place? Um, I've been with the Ever Forward Club for about two and a half years now. Um, it all started when I was walking to my community center close to my house. It's called the Reese Aston Youth Center. So um, I was walking from school one day, and I was pretty hungry and stuff so uh i walked in and i saw this room and i saw food and i smelled food i saw pizza so i was like all right so they got food i'm hungry so i might as well just walk up in there and see what's happening so you know i walked up in there and then i saw um all my friends in there you know uh talking and laughing stuff like that and i was like what what is this like what's going on and everybody was like this they have a four like they explained to me what that report was about i met lorenzo i talked to lorenzo they explained to me 
you know, what what happens in the club, like, what the atmosphere is about and stuff like that. And ever since, I've just been drawn attached to it. Like, it's just a great atmosphere. And, you know, I just love interacting with my friends and getting to know them on a basis where I couldn't know them. Like, they walk into school or something like that. Like, the atmosphere, we're all around each other. is just great. And it's just amazing to have, like, a space, of, a safe space to be able to talk to your friends and get you out. Get whatever on your mind out just you know just be able to vibe with each other that's awesome what aspects do you find most interesting although you may have just answered that um like i said like a safe space so like mm-hmm. say something's going on something's going on in my day and like i haven't talked to anybody about it so i go to the before club and then i just i say what's going on like say i what I got in trouble when I got sent to the office today or something like that. And, you know, just little things, even big things too. But mostly, you know, it's just, it feels good to be able to just talk, you know, I'll share mm-hmm. whatever's on my mind, whatever's going on at home, anything, just go ahead and just say, and you feel welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Darnell, could you tell us how long you've been in, you were in the Ever Forward Club and what drew you to the club in the first place? Um, I was in the Air Force Club. I joined the Air Force Club in 2012, and I graduated in 13. And I actually was forced to be in the Air Force Club because I was failing classes, and they sent me out of my advisory class to Mr. Branch's class. And I was like, I didn't really want to be in it at first until I came in the classroom and I seen pizza. So I was like, all right, it's cool. I guess we got pizza. But it was a bunch of other dudes sitting around, I kind of knew some of them, but not all of them, but, and then it took us a long time to start talking to each other, because we, at my school, I went to Fremont High School, and we was kind of like, like, nobody talked to anybody unless it was your friends, and if you didn't know them, you didn't really talk to them, so it took us a long time before, before the space got open to talk, but when it did get open, it was like, it was, well, for me, it was, it was really relieving, because I needed it, but I was holding it all in. And the day we finally did start talking to each well, we didn't even really talk. We wrote it down on paper. And when we, when that day, like, really broke the barriers for everybody, and everybody started feeling more comfortable around each other. That's awesome. That's awesome. So as a recent graduate, what experiences stand out most for you? Um, I graduated in 13, so... What oh, so, 13, so it's been a few Brent. years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought I thought it was more recent, but yeah, go ahead. So, what what stood out most for you for four years um, ago? Mr. Branch still being there for me, like even like, because I took a year off after I graduated, and like the whole year I was off, Mr. Branch was still helping me. And then when I did go to school, he was still there calling, checking on me, making sure I was doing the studying, and like just keep basically keeping tabs on me, even though I wasn't like like I went away for school, so he was still keeping tabs on me still making sure I had everything I needed and stuff. So it kind of like kept, basically kept me in the loop with the Ever4 Club and I still know, knew everything that was going on. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where are you in school now? Uh, I go to Shasta College. It's in Redding, California. Oh, great. Okay. And what are you studying? Criminal justice. Fantastic. Fantastic. So... Awesome. So, Lorenzo, you're you're mentoring now. Could you share a little bit about what inspired you to take on the role of mentor? That's a pretty long story, but to pretty much sum it up, um, from me being at Ever Forward Club and me kind of 
like going through a lot of what these youngsters go through now. I kind of just seen not necessarily an opening, but I saw opportunity for me to do something positive, something that I I was grateful that was done to me when I was a youngster because, like, I didn't have anyone besides Branch telling mm-hmm. me, like, hey, you can do whatever it is you want to do. You don't have to be confined to this type of, like, social stigma that everybody kind of expects you to live up to because of where you grew up. And when he told me that, I didn't necessarily fully grasp it at first. And kind of like similar to Donnie, it was more or less when I graduated from high school and Ashanti stayed on me. And he consistently, like, he was pretty much the reason I went to college in the first place. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like just guided me throughout life and still is kind of guided me throughout life. He provided me with an opportunity to work for the organization that helped me get out of trouble. So I don't. <laughs> so what kind of got me, what made me say, you know, what I want to be a mentor was after we went to, he invited me to come to Fremont High School where I first met Donnie and they were going through a lot of issues that Ashanti knew about from individual conversations and I didn't really know. He was just telling me like, yeah, man, they're stressed out, they're stressed out. So when I get in and I had actual individual conversations with the young, with the young people myself, I was like, whoa, you guys are going through a lot of the same things I was going through. And I just started kind of giving my opinions and my wisdom wherever I could. It just kind of started looking like I was mentoring. And when Ashanti said, hey, do you want to be a mentor? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> it kind of like fell in my lap. You know, I was like, I'm already going to these meetings and meeting with these young people. I might as well just do it full force right. and I took it I took it on and now here I am three years later. Wow. So you, you went you went away for college and then you came back and became a mentor? Well I didn't I didn't go away to college. Oh, okay. Um I just went to San Francisco State. So oh, gotcha. at okay. the time when I was getting ready when I was getting ready to graduate high school, I was living with Ashanti at the moment because my mm-hmm. living situation, my school kinda deemed me technically homeless. And right. I got, like, free bus passes to get back and forth to school. And Shanti, he didn't approve of that. <laughs> and he, he took the initiative and said, I'm going to have you live with me so we can make sure that you get the support you need to move forward. And from then, I was like, man, like, no one's ever, like, taken that type of initiative for me to be successful, you know? Mm-hmm. And to be able to, like, not necessarily open my house up to anyone because I can't afford to, but to be able to try and inspire someone in the same way that he inspired me, it, it like it, it keeps me going. And like, right. it's the reason why I wake up every day. I just recently had a daughter and like the experiences that I went through as a youngster, I'm like trying my hardest to make sure she never goes through that. I don't feel mm-hmm. I would have had this drive if it wasn't for like kind of ever forward club giving me a purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So what did you study at, at San Francisco State? I studied political science. Awesome. And so I wanted to be I wanted to be a lawyer. I big dream yeah. of being a lawyer, but I'm still doing social work. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are lawyers that do social work, so it's still it's and it's still possible. What are your right. responsibilities? Yeah. I mean you were mentioning a little bit before that you were going to these meetings and sharing your your wisdom and your own experience with some of the 
the folks at Fremont High, and I was wondering, what are your responsibilities as a mentor? Um, my responsibilities have definitely evolved as a mentor because when I was just volunteering as a mentor, my responsibilities was just um, to get these young people into a room, to have them to build trust within them so they can start getting real with each other and being able to express themselves freely around one another, knowing that they wouldn't be judged. But when I became an employee, my my task got like a little bit more heavy, of course, because mm-hmm. I was then in charge of multiple sites. Not in charge of, but I was kind of overseeing and supporting multiple different sites. So I think as we forward to now, we're in eight different schools. Well, seven schools in one one youth center. I mm-hmm. reach out to youth center. That's what I'm mentor. And I had to like support multiple clubs at a time. So now my, my role is to kind of help out our other mentors in any way that I can and support them with their youth. And I still have the youth that I mentor on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wow. That's quite a, quite a breadth of, of responsibility. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're a small team and we're, we're looking to, to grow, of course. And I watched Branch run <laughs> run this thing with no help. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely understand, like, when there, we need an extra push or we have to do, like, some extra things in order to make up for the fact that we only have a few employees. It's no right. problem to me because I'm literally, like, living with Ashanti, I could watch him fall asleep every night on his computer working towards mm-hmm. making this something bigger, you know? And if he's willing yeah. to make that sacrifice for children who aren't even his, like to serve his community in that greater way, like I would be a fool of me to not try and help the person who would help me fulfill that goal, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. We're speaking with Ashanti Branch and the gentlemen of the Ever Forward Club, and we'll be right back after a short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us, co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at Regenerate.coach. That's Regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Ashanti Branch and the Gentlemen of the Ever Forward Club. And we were talking about the impact the boys have felt participating in the club. Ashanti, Ever Forward Club has been profiled in a documentary called The Mask You Live In. What's the documentary about and how did Ever Forward come to be profiled? So The Mask You Live In is a a narrative um, that explores how this hyper-masculine narrative of of masculinity is uh, failing our boys. Uh, the Representation Project are the creators, the founders, the directors of it, Jennifer Siebel Newsom. Um, her first film was called Misrepresentation, M-I-S-S, and that was about the underrepresentation of uh, women in positions of power and sports in all, in all parts of the world, um, mostly focused on the United States. And so her second film, which is about American masculinity, um, you know, we've been taking young people in our program through a rites of passage program uh, for this last, you know, seven, since 2008, 2009. And so one of the founders, um, you know, one year we brought like 18 young men to this rites of passage weekend. It's called the Young Men's Ultimate Weekend. It's here in the Bay Area, California. Um, they do two every summer. And so this one, one weekend I brought like 18 young men from Fremont High and from other places in Oakland. And... Um, one of the one of the co-founders was like, "Hey, we heard about the work that you're doing. We um, heard about these people that are doing the documentary. They would like to talk to you." And so I said, "Yeah, sure." I, you know, I was working just really hard, trying to just do everything I could to keep Everforward running while I was doing a full-time job. So at that time, I was that was the year I was a dean at Fremont High School, and um, they heard about us and they came. They brought me in to talk to me. Um, met Jennifer Siebel Newsom, and then. Um, from then on, it was like um, they, they said, well, we would like to come see your work. And that's when I told them, I said, well, you know, the young men I'm working with at Fremont High School, they don't really, uh, they don't really get real when we get into the circle. You know, they kind of don't tell the, all the truth, you know. And they were like, well, we'll at least we'll be able to see kind of some of the resistance when, they, when they're giving us safe space to, to open up. And I was like, well, I'm glad you want to see that because <laughs> I'm going to definitely <laughs> be able to show you that. Um, but I was also thinking in my mind, like, I – I got to think of a way to get them to talk about stuff in a way that is meaningful to them. You know, I, I just thought, you know, it, it, it would look really, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew that I was being called to that work. It was like 
you know, you're trying to come in, you do one activity, it doesn't work. You try another activity, mm-hmm. it works a little bit. And I was like, I need something so that they can talk about what's going on in their life without really talking about it. And that's what Johnny Waters was talking about is the, um, that activity we did was that first day where they wrote the mask and then it worked because they were reading somebody else's mask and they realized, wait a minute, there are other people in this circle who are dealing with sadness and pain and fear and um, like life situations when all they used to just show each other was that they were cool, funny, and, you know, athletic. And when you get to know that somebody is dealing with some real stuff, that's when it got real. So that's how it happened. And um, when the documentary came out, it really opened a lot of doors for us, and people began to see our work, and um, it opened up doors for us to do workshops in other parts of the Bay Area as well as other parts of the country. Fantastic. Fantastic. Where else have you done workshops? Um, We've done workshops in... Um, what, tech, Austin, Texas, and Baltimore, Maryland, and we go to a lot of conferences. Uh, we've done workshops in Mexico, in um, Bermuda. Um, we're going to be in Australia this um, September at the wow. Change Conference. Um, where you know, people who have seen the documentary, they recognize the kind of the, the power in the work, and they're reaching out to us. Um, we've been in Seattle. Um, Man, Lorenzo and I have gone to most of the first ones in the first year. Uh, We've done about 14,000 people have gone through our workshops, so adults, youth, um, parents, community workers, Mm -hmm. um, teachers. And so those are just, as people, now that our program has these three parts, we have the Everford Club, we have the professional development, and then we have these experiences, the transformative workshops, a lot more people are now hearing about our work and uh, bringing us in to do those work with their teams. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, I, gentlemen, I, I would love to get your feedback on, as adults, whether we're parents, teachers, mentors, volunteers, or others, what are we missing? What can we adults do better to support youth? And Deshaun, maybe we start with you. Um, I think the most important thing you could do to like help youth is just like be there for them and just um just be able to be someone that they can talk to, like just listen to them at times. Like maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes like we might not say things that make any sense or you guys might not understand, but like just sometimes just listen to us. Like that's the most important thing for a teenager, especially growing up as a uh, male, just like, just listen to us and see what we need. See, see what's going on. Check up on us every day. You know, just important things like that. Mm-hmm. So just, just asking the question, what's up in your world? How, how you yeah. feeling today? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Darnell, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say, um, ask questions, because like Mr. Branch said, he asks a million and one questions, but eventually, if you keep asking some questions, somebody, you're going to get an answer to one, and it's going to open up uh, some answers to some other ones, and just showing that you care, like, because some, I like, in high school, this for the teachers, in high school, I didn't think teachers cared about me, because all they wanted to do was put a book in my face and made me read it, but it was like, it was more to me than just reading a book. It was more stuff going on. And when I met Mr. Branch, he the one that showed me that, 
okay, maybe we, maybe it's not about school. And he sat me in his office and was like, if you want to cry, brother, then cry. And I was like, why are you telling me to cry? But it's like, it's more to me than coming to school every day. I'm already coming to school to get away from my problems at home. So it was like, Mr. Branch was asking all these questions, and it finally, like, got to me. Like, he finally got one answer, which opened up answers to other questions. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, Renzo, do you have anything to add? Um, uh, I would just say be honest and come from your heart. Those are the two, like, two big things that I try to incorporate as a mentor, and those are two things that I knew Branch was all about. Mm-hmm. Everything he did came from the heart, and he never lied to me. Like, mm-hmm. Those are two things that I feel that our young people need is people who are genuinely like caring about them or really passionate about their success. And they need someone who's going to be blatantly honest with them. Sometimes they don't want to hear what we have to say, but they need to hear it. And then you have those people who are just going to tell them what they want to hear all the time. And we're not necessarily going to be those people, but we're going to tell them what they want to hear, what they need to hear, when they need to hear it. And I think if you're coming from your heart and you're trying to be honest, like you can't really go wrong in that right. in that aspect. So mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that I try to incorporate in my mentoring is being passionate about them, being like trying to listen to them as much as like you can, of course, and letting them know that you actually genuinely care, and right. not just for the job, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. So, gentlemen, how can thinking at a, at a slightly bigger level, how can communities? better support youth what do communities need to keep in mind and maybe darnell you want to start with that can you ask the question again sure so what for from a community perspective what what can better how can communities better support youth what would what needs to happen obviously there's the adult component but you know from a community perspective what needs to exist for in communities to better support youth Hard question. Communities. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not really sure. That's okay. That's okay. Lorenzo, perhaps do you have any thoughts? Um, what I would say the community can do to better support youth is um, kind of trust each other. Um, I feel as if because our community doesn't trust other, like our neighbors in the community, that mm-hmm. it's hard for them to want to reach out to youth and want to try and support youth because they feel like everybody's trying to get them. And they are very selfish in ways. I feel like right. if we could try and teach the community to be more selfless and to be, because everyone knows the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. But mm-hmm. In the more recent years, um, people haven't been taking that role as a community to help raise our youth, to help guide them in the right direction because a lot of people put their hands up like, well, if it's not my kid, then I'm not really going to worry about it. But if the community came to a type of ideology that, hey, this isn't my kid, but this could be my kid, and try to support them because that's a possibility that that could be your kid in somebody else's shoes. And I think we could do a lot. Right. Well, that's that's a very good point. I think village building is an art that has been has been lost 
in in the U.S. and in many other places around the world. And so that was beautifully stated. We have to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at regenerate.coach. That's regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome back. We are here with Ashanti Branch and the gentlemen of the Ever Forward Club. And we were talking about what adults and communities can do better to support youth. So Ashanti, if someone wants to learn more about how to bring Ever Forward Club to their community, what should they do? Well, you know, um, we're really excited. Um, We just got a a new website. Um, One of our supporters, the Lauder Family Circle, they uh, gave us some resources to get a new website. So it just launched like two days ago maybe. Um, So they can go on the website. They can sign up to say, hey, I'm interested in becoming a mentor. I'm interested in uh, bringing the work. You know, you can just tell us, like a comment, contact us page. Um, they can also, you know, do some, you know, in the fall, we're launching the 100,000 Mass Challenge. So if they want to, like, begin to kind of see what the, the vibe is in their community around this work, they can, you know, go to the website. They can uh, join the challenge. They can help get the word out to schools in their community. Um, we know that there's a need. Like sometimes, um, you know, I'm an African-American male, so sometimes people think, well, you only work with African-American young men. And, and I tell them, no, not at all. Like our young men around the nation are in crisis. Now, I'm, I'm in a community that has a huge population of I mean, African-American Latino young men who need our support. But the work around this work around um, toxic masculinity is a lot of our young men in many different communities. So we go... You know, like I said, we do workshops all over, but the website will help them to get in touch with us to let us know how we can support them, what are some of the needs they 
they're looking to support in their community. And so we're really excited about that because a lot of our young men, so Deshaun, he goes to with us and do workshops. Um, Darnell also goes and, do, and presents wet workshops. Lorenzo as well. So we're training more of our young men who can, they, it allows them to have a job, it allows them to work. And while they're doing the work that they're learning and they're, be, they're becoming really good at that. So, you know, that's ways that people can, you know, get, find out where we're at next to bring the workshop. And as we're launching for new clubs, we're figuring out where's the next city that, where's the next, you know, region that our work is going to be. So we're, you know, we're still in, in that investigative phase. We're imagining by 2018, that will be the first, um, you know, outside of the Bay Area kind of launch. And, you know, we don't know where that city is going to be yet, but we're, we're waiting for the community to call us, you know, and let us know where, where we need to be next. Um, so, so for on that point, what are the criteria that would make help you decide that this is definitely the next community? What what do you need to see coming out of that community? What are the what's the criteria? That's a great question. I've been thinking about that lately, you know, a lot. So, I think what it, what it's going to come down to is going to come down to um, the highest uh, point of leverage, right? So it makes more sense that it wouldn't be like a school. It would be like a, com- like a district or like uh, a city who is saying, we have this initiative we're trying to get off the ground. We want to support our young men in our community. We know that a lot of cities are doing things, but they don't really know where to start. So really trying to work with, because I think if, you, if you're trying to work with one school, their, their leverage points is, is not as high. But, you know, I think visioning where are the cities that are like, saying as a citywide initiative, we recognize there's some issues that we need to deal with um, and figuring out where those cities have, you know, fertile ground for us to come in and see if we can plant some seeds. And so we're, you know, this year is that year of let's like, you know, continue to do our work in the Bay Area and grow here in the Bay Area, but also looking and seeing where the, where the next place we should, we should be being moving. And, and we're, 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 we're patient about that, but we know that we want to do a really good job here in the Bay Area, we want to continue growing and supporting our our community here, and 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 and, and I think the call will be clear. I think when it comes, I'm, you know, as a fellow this year um, with the Building Beloved Community Fellowship, um, that's by the uh, CBMA, which is a campaign for Black Male Achievement. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a fellow this year, and it's really about helping me learn. You know, what are the things I need to be preparing for as we begin to scale and grow outside of the Bay Area? So those are things I'm learning and. You know, I, I think it's, it's in that work that is really exciting for me because I don't know. I don't have a good answer for it. But I know that um, we're kind of being called. I think the 100,000 mass challenge is going to help kind of lead the charge on that, like communities mm-hmm. that are saying, let's get involved in this way and kind of seeing where the need is in different areas. So we're, uh, we're, we're looking and we're open and we have a team here who is, you know, really trying to do some big work in our, in our communities. That's fantastic. What um, if they, if communities are thinking, you know, they don't know if they're going, if you're going to be the next, they're going to be the next on your on your stop. But yeah, what are what should they be considering in terms of local programming? You know, maybe it is just one teacher or one principal in a school in another city. What do they need to keep in mind to create something that's effective while they wait for you guys to reach them on a community-wide basis? 
Yeah, and so, yeah, thank you for asking that. We're sharing the work around the 100,000 Math Challenge with educators all over. So we can send them, we're going to send the curriculum out to educators all over. I think it's going to be up to them to see, is there a need to support your, your, your young men at your, in your district, your school, your city, in more ways than school can do by just being school? You know, mm-hmm. schools are the, one of the only systems that still operate like they did 100 years ago, and we expect them to keep working. Right, so if, if it's going to require a city that says, you know what, it's not working, school as usual for this group, and we want to do something about it, and I think that they can begin asking the questions, asking the young men. The young men know. The young men, if you ask them genuinely, say, you know, what are some things you need here to help you become do better? They can they can speak to it, and it's going to require them may asking some of the questions and getting some of the feedback from the young men. Um, in a true design thinking way, right? Like, let's start with empathy. The young men said they need a program. They need something to go. They need a place to go and be and talk or to open up. Um, and I think our young men can help them to navigate that. And if they mm-hmm. want us to support that, we can, you know, we can send Darnell and Deshaun to, or myself or Lorenzo, whoever, to their city to help them ask those questions if they don't feel comfortable asking those questions. That's super, super. So, you guys have a website. What is the URL for that? So it's everforwardclub.org. Okay. And you're also on Facebook. Yep, we're, are you? Go ahead. We're on Facebook at Ever Forward Club. Uh, we're on Twitter at Ever Forward Club. And we're on Instagram at Ever Forward Club. So in any of those social media ways, they can follow us and stay, stay in touch with us. Fantastic. Thank you, Ashanti, Lorenzo, Deshaun, Darnell. It's been really a pleasure having you on the show today. We've Thank been you. speaking. You're very welcome. We've been speaking with the Ever Forward Club and about the importance of providing youth with emotional development support and how adults and communities can better support youth overall. On our next show, we'll be provi- profiling a new town development in Zanzibar, Tanzania, based on permaculture principles. Look for announcements on myvoiceamerica.com host page, and you will find a recording there of today's show, other shows, my social media links, and always those of my guests. Please send me questions or comments via email at envision at regenerate.coach. And thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.